welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I am Charlie Burris, here as always with my co-host, A to Z Sports writer, Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. The I can hear something in my ear. What's playing right now? Oh, there it is. I found it. I just had a page open on another tab. That's cool. Live broadcasts, folks. Isn't that fun? Uh, wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to the Big Orange Podcast. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. And if you want to listen to that on the regular, go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on Apple, Spotify, and rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe. When you subscribe, you won't miss an episode when we drop them on Mondays. And then also on Mondays, go and subscribe to the A to Z Sports Nashville YouTube channel. And that way, you won't miss these live streams. You can come hang out with us uh, and, and be a part of the live stream. Comment. We talk about the comments constantly throughout the show. So you can weigh in, give us your take, along with listening to all of our nonsense. So, uh and I guess I should say, hit the thumbs up button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell. There you go. That's for the YouTube. And outside of that, at Charlie underscore Burris, that's ActiNT, at A to Z Sports, Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports National, and A to Z Sports.com for all the stuff that Zach and I write on the internet. As folks are rolling in here, why don't, you know, let's just get right to it. The Tennessee Volunteers go down to Miami, Florida, and they lay the smackdown on Clemson. And I just want to say right off the top, Zach, I I have gained a reputation for being the cynical guy, for being the, the Charlie always chooses Tennessee to lose guy. Guess what, folks? I chose Tennessee to win, and the boys did it. The Tennessee Volunteers uh, took down Clemson in convincing fashion, a 17-point win over a uh, freaking howdy-doody-looking ass clap uh, dabble <laughs> Swinney. And, man, that was a good time. What is up, Zach? You know, I, I did not pick Tennessee to win, unfortunately, but I did correctly predict how many points they'd score. So um, maybe I'll take some pride in that. Nailed I said it. they scored 31. Unfortunately, I said Clemson would score 38, and that Tennessee defense – looking as good as it's looked all season, right? I mean, they weren't perfect. They gave up a couple of big plays uh, in the first quarter, a couple of times that, uh, you know, Wesley Walker maybe could have went and high-pointed the ball, went went and got the ball and had a couple of interceptions there. He was in the right spot, which is, I think, very encouraging if you're a Tennessee fan. But, uh, yeah, that was a fun one. I was very uh, anxious right before the game started, not really knowing what to expect. And then those first couple of drives really, you know, had me all over the place thinking where this thing was going to go because Clubnick, Clubnick show, I mean, he's obviously got a lot to work on, but you can see the talent with him, right? He can, oh, he yeah. can make some plays happen, but he also, you could see he was a true freshman too. You know, some of those super long dropbacks where it kind of like when you're playing Madden, and you you get the rush after you, and you're trying to make something happen, and you just run almost all the way back to the goal line before you throw the ball. That's kind of what he did there a couple of times, and uh, some of those mistakes Tennessee was able to take advantage of. Definitely. Uh, it was a game where it was classic uh, classic bowl game stuff, I, and I, I said that before the game. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to get weird. 
and it did. Because you look at those stats, I mean, Clemson outgained Tennessee. Clemson basically wanted every single statistical category um, except for, and Crompton pointed this out on our postgame show, points per play. Mm. Well, yeah, Clemson ran like 100 plays or something, which is 100 insane. plays in this game. And and according to Crompton, I didn't double check this, but I trust that, you know, he's a grown adult. I trust what he <laughs> finds on the internet. I don't know. Uh, but he said they were 0.1 points per play and Tennessee was a uh, half point per play. Mm. And that there's your game right there. I mean, that's the whole thing. Tennessee scored Clemson didn't. And so uh, it's, it's uh, fun to finally have that 11 and two season under your belt. Even if it is the end of the season, what a magical season it was. It was cool. We're going to talk about all of it. Um, but it, yeah, it really was great and uh yeah i mean danny says here we already got folks commenting he says where was that defense against south carolina yeah it would have been in the playoff if they what if that was shut up there in that game but such is life and i like this jared says charlie went through a character arc this season <laughs> uh pretty accurate well I, this i mean this is the first time in you know that people have you've been in this media thing for what you know almost a decade or so mm, at this point, to it. right and Tennessee's never come close to this before, so we haven't got to see Charlie under these circumstances before. I have grown uh, from being bitter and just uh, what what are some other words? Just cold about Tennessee sports. I had nothing but terrible things to say about the administration and everybody there, and it's become the administration is strong. The football team is good. The basketball team is good. The baseball team is good. Like it's that'll change a man. What what can I say? That that will bring you around. If Tennessee finally shows that they can do the thing I've always wanted them to do, at least for the last 20 years, I mean that's you know, you can change my mind. I am not completely set in my ways. Uh, but before we get into all that, obviously we're gonna break down. Uh, the Orange Bowl in in full there, but then also kind of talk about what it means for for the future going forward. And then from that, talking about that future conversation, a little bit of transfer news, a a cryptic tweet from Tennessee's best running back. That's always fun. We'll talk about that. Uh, And then get in a little basketball right at the end. I'm actually about to go. This episode is going to have to be a little shorter than usual. I'm going to the basketball game. (laughs) Uh, Tennessee playing Mississippi State tonight, and we'll talk about it all. But First, got to tell you about the amazing sponsor that keeps this show going, Superbook Sports. Can you beat Vegas this football season? It's close. Uh, it's coming to a close, but you still got plenty of time to bet on some football. Superbook Sports gives you the chance every week to go head-to-head with the best odds makers in Las Vegas. No fancy computer algorithms. No guys across the pond setting lines for American sports. Just the best team of odds makers in the business behind the counter at Superbook in Las Vegas. Plus... Superbook features some of the best odds boosts and promo bets you will find anywhere. Download the Superbook Sports app or visit Superbook.com and start your battle against Vegas right now. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-889-9789. That is Superbook Sports. Shout out to them this whole season for fueling the show. Go download their app. Bet on their app. Uh, You could have cashed in Tennessee plus 6.5. They beat that spread by... Uh, can I do math? 17 plus seven, whatever that is. <laughs> I no, I can't do math. 24 beat it by 24. There we go. Um, so getting down to business here in this, uh, orange bowl, this one, it, it, I'm 
kind of at a loss for exactly where to start because there was so much coming in. All of this talk, like, can Joe Milton overcome his stuff? Can Tennessee's defense stop Cade Klubnick? Can, like, there was a lot of different storylines going in, and it didn't happen how I think most people thought it would if Tennessee was going to win. It didn't happen the way that I thought it would if Tennessee was going to win. Tennessee gave up a ton of yards, a ton, like 400-plus yards in this game. Clemson in the first half, seven drives ended on Tennessee's side of the field, and they produced six points. Clemson just couldn't finish. And then on top of that, and you and we want to talk about the where credit goes in terms of not allowing Clemson to finish there. And then on top of that, Joe Milton, the offense was not as crisp as it ever was with Hinden Hooker this season. 31 points, though, against one of the best defenses uh, in America this season. Frankly, they were missing two of their top pieces. But still, I mean, an incredibly admirable effort from uh, from Joe Milton. Where Where do you think we should start, Zach? I, mean, I, th- I think the story is the defense. I mean, Joe Milton, he didn't – I thought he looked pretty good. There was there was some good. There were some things that I really didn't like. Uh, specifically, uh, there were several times where he could have got first downs, tucking it and running. I felt like when the pocket broke down, he didn't really – He kind of. I, I want to say he panicked, but he just didn't look like he knew exactly where to go, where, where Hendon Hooker knew exactly which lane to take, kind of where – he just had a very good feel for when a play broke down, where to go and where to make something happen out of nothing. And Milton, he just looked confused. He was looking around. He's kind of running around in circles, and, he's, and then he's sacked for a loss. And, I mean, the good thing is he's not turning the ball over, but you know, it's kind of the same thing we saw from Jared Garantano all those years, holding on to the ball a little too long and taking some sacks there. That was really the only negative with his game. I feel like if he can clean that up a little bit and, and, and improve in that area and be willing to take off and run, like there was one specific third down I think he missed the completion and it was kind of, you know, you're out there near the boundary with the defender and the receiver towards the middle of the field was wide open. Like he would have had the first down, no issues. And, you know, he didn't tuck it and run. And that could have been something the staff was telling him because the backup quarterback situation, we thought Taven Jackson might be available. He wasn't. So Gaston Moore was, was your backup there. And you didn't really want to get into a situation where you got to put him into the game. So maybe they were taking it easy with Milton and, and running, but yeah, for sure. The defense, to me, is the story. They were able to get pressure on Klubnik even when they weren't sacking him. They were right there in his face, forcing some of those bad decisions. I thought the linebacker play was really good, especially Aaron Beasley, who easily could have been the MVP of the game. I think it kind of tells you that Jeremy Banks missing that South Carolina game isn't necessarily the reason why they lost that game. Yes, he's a good player, and maybe it did have a little bit to do with the energy on the field that night, but the linebackers they put out there played pretty well against Clemson and that's obviously a plus your defensive backs I, I didn't think it was as bad as it looked at times I thought they were in the right spot a lot of times they just either they there was they weren't fast enough to make the play they just didn't go make the play like I mentioned with Wesley Walker earlier uh, but it, it seemed like they were in the right spots like they know what to do they just maybe aren't athletic enough to make it happen I'll I'll start here Jeff says, Milton was actually accurate. Whom's to thunk it? And to Big Ten Jeff, uh, I do have to see an Ohio State fan, for those that don't know, who for some reason watches this show constantly. Um, we were all rooting for you, Jeff. Not, we were. I was frick, dude. Why did you let them come back and win that game? Why? 
if Marvin Harrison doesn't get hurt, I think I think they win, right? I mean, they have to. They weren't yes. stopping him. They weren't stopping him. And on that note, had a bet with Jeff that Marvin Harrison would have the same or less yards as Jalen Hyatt did against Georgia. He did beat that in his time in that game. We'll talk about it, Jeff. Uh, I already told you we would. So, uh, what what, but, what what did what did he finish with, Harrison? I want to say like one hundred six or something. Yeah, he was. He, he look. He's a he's a great player. I think I still not to get too deep into this. Jalen Hyatt deserved the award this year because it's kind of a stats based award, and and what he did was impressive number wise. But I'll say that I think Harrison will probably be the better pro player. I don't. You know, Tennessee fans probably won't like that, but I mean, the, he's elite. I deny that he's elite. He's a great player. So uh, just like with the Heisman Trophy, we've seen lots of Heisman Trophy winners that don't translate to great NFL quarterbacks. And and I'm not saying Hyatt won't be a good pro. I don't know. We'll have to see how his game translates. But, uh, you know, I think I think that's a fair thing to say is that Harrison might have the better pro career. Yeah, but just by by far when you're talking about the season, uh, Jalen Hyatt had the better season. I don't think I honestly. Yeah, this gets this gets used like way too much as a phrase, but it really wasn't that close. It wasn't. It just genuinely wasn't in terms of the singular season when that award was given out. Anyway, so back to Milton in this game. Jeff says he was accurate. And I think some some other folks said that, too. They were surprised. Yeah. uh, Danny said the biggest curiosity for the game. He actually had touch on passes. Uh, Yeah. Now, I said this going into this game. Milton in those mid range passes. Can do it. And in fact, I think there's a case to be made that he's actually better at those mid-range passes than Hendon Hooker was. Uh, he rockets the ball in there into tight windows. And that yes, third down throw, that third down throw yes. to Ramel Keaton, I believe, was one of the best throws he's ever made because that window was non-existent. Uh, even mm-hmm. if you look at the, the Skycam video, there's a little more room there than than you thought, but not much. Yeah, the... That pass, the pass to uh, to Brew McCoy for a I touchdown. Thought, I thought he Next. missed the receiver completely. I thought he was throwing it to Jacob Warren. I didn't. I thought he just badly missed, and all of a sudden Brew McCoy comes down with it. No, it was just an excellent throw to the back of the yeah. end zone. I he really has gotten far better at that particular uh, skill, and huge credit to him. You already said it there. The running has to improve his awareness in general. He He's just not that slippery, scampering guy like Hooker was. I don't think he ever will be. He has He's just way bigger. Uh, he's not as quick to react. He took some sacks he didn't need to take. There was just some stuff like that where you go, this can be polished off. But hes I don't think he will ever be, just because it's not in his skill set, he'll ever be that, you know, slipping and sliding around, evading uh, pressure sort of guy, but I think what he could get better at is when a play breaks down, eyes up field, looking, deciding to run. Like there was one in particular, I don't remember the exact spot in the game, but there was one where he he had gotten out of the pocket. I think he's running to the right, and he sees a receiver ahead of him. But if he would have just run the ball, it's an it's easy the, first down. It's easy that third down play that I referenced, I believe. I'm pretty sure. Okay, okay, you did. Yeah, right? yeah you referenced a lot there. Yes, and he he could have just run, and you just go like, ah, just run it, son. What do you mm-hmm. do? You don't need to throw the ball. You don't have to throw the ball there, and he does. And it like there's just some stuff there where I think uh, Heupel and and Halsley can can uh, polish him up during this off season, and and I think it's there for him in this game. Did he solidify being the 2023 starting quarterback? 
I don't know. What if Nico gets in there and is absolute magic during this offseason? What if Taven Jackson emerges? I don't know. But to me, I think at a baseline, he he obviously absolutely proved he will win you football games, especially if Tennessee's defense comes to play. I think going into this next season, obviously they're going to have this quarterback competition in the spring, whether it's very legit or not. I don't know, but they're, they're saying they're going to have this competition. And I texted you this yesterday. It kind of reminds me of Clemson the year they won the championship with Trevor. Did they win the championship that year? When, when Trevor Lawrence was a true freshman and Kelly Bryant started the season as the, the starting quarterback, they're undefeated and Dabo benches Kelly Bryant for Trevor Lawrence, the true freshman. And it, I feel like you might have that situation with Joe Milton and Nico, where Nico is obviously, I mean, that's your guy. That's the future. That's the guy that you want to win a national championship with. Like if Nico leaves Tennessee and doesn't get to the playoff and play in a championship game, it'll be a disappointment. Like those are the kind of expectations that that, that are on him. And, and rightfully so. When you grab the the number two player in the nation, that's what you're saying. We're competing for championships. So I think it could end up being a type of situation where Joe Milton starts the season and maybe he's playing well, but they look at Nico midway through the season. They're like, yeah, I think I think he's ready. Uh, he can go out there and and be even better in this offense. And and you know, it's too early to make that prediction, but it does kind of have that feel to it. It definitely does because he he's a guy that I think it's all there for him. But I could see if they think that the other option is is good i could see having a short leash next season if things go off the rails a little bit but i that game did not suggest to me at all that they would at least not in the first few games i mean you open up with virginia that should no offense to virginia this should be an easy win and it kind of brings the whole clemson thing full circle first of all uh with tony elliott who was according to reports close to being tennessee's coach at one point instead of josh heupel um, you can, and then was the offensive coordinator at Clemson at the time. You can shut the door on the whole Clemson thing there, but you just, you start the season off there, you know, it'll get real at Florida. Mm-hmm. And what happens there when you really have to become the guy where Hinden Hooker obviously embraced that moment and, and took it by the horns. Will Joe do the same? I mean, I say that this was Clemson. It's not like this is some some you know lame lame duck team that he went and stuck it to in this game and he he made some incredible plays and throws in this one i will i will say i don't know if there's any georgia fans in here they probably won't like this and it's not necessarily an insult because georgia doesn't have to necessarily do this because they have such great athletes but i listened to some of the post-game interviews with tennessee players and clemson players and then uh, Cooper May spoke with Dave Hooker on a podcast this week, and he asked him about the defensive looks. And, and Cooper May said this was like Clemson was the hardest team to prepare for because every single week they were putting something different on tape defensively. They they didn't really have just a base defense that they ran. They, it was almost like Tennessee's offense. like They based it on what the other team's offense was doing. And they gave Tennessee a lot of different looks early in the game uh, where they were running three-man pressures, four-mans. They were just switching things up a lot. Where I, And Cooper said it was the the most – like, Clemson gave them more looks than any other team did this entire season, including Georgia. So, I think this was a really hard game to to scheme up for, for Josh Heupel because you didn't know. I mean, you were kind of 
they're usually dictating how the game goes, and they're kind of having to react to Clemson's defensive looks this game, which is not something they've had to do a lot of this year. So for me, that's even more encouraging when you look at this offense, that they can get into a game like this where the opposing defensive coordinator and Clemson's defensive coordinator that, that took over for Brent Venables has a really good reputation. He's he's kind of an odd guy, but he's kind of a defensive savant is, is how he's described. You get into like a chess match with that guy, and Hypo was still able to come out on top against some really good talent. Even though Miles Murphy wasn't there, they had some guy like Bressy, Breesy, however you say his name. He's going to be playing on – he's going to be a top 10, top 15 pick in the draft. I mean, there were some really good defensive players on the other side of the ball, along with a really good scheme. Tennessee didn't go out there and put up 60, but they put up enough. And that, that to me, like, yeah, we know they can win the shootouts. We know they can get in a shootout with Alabama and win it. We saw in Pittsburgh this year and now Clemson that they can get in kind of these games that don't necessarily go their way or aren't as clean as they want them to be and still come out on top. Do we have uh, – is this Nick Saban in the comments here? The NCAA will stop this illegal offense. Saban's already tried that, if, yeah. If you can't beat them, make sure the NCAA changes the rules. That's- Look, the referees were trying to change it on Friday night, and that's why Josh Heupel got flagged early in the game on that quarterback sneak. Yeah. And, and we all knew. We all knew exactly what play was coming in that situation. It, it's – what was it? Was it a third and short or fourth and short? I can't remember, but it was like either third and one yeah. or fourth and one, and they're hurrying to the line. And you know that Joe Milton's going to sneak it. We saw Hendon Hooker do it several times this year. He did against Florida. He did against Kentucky. And that's what he did. They picked up the first down. And all of a sudden, you know, the dramatic flag from the the ref that did not like Heupel at all. And later on, we found out through John Boy, who uh, media, who does a lot of baseball stuff and lip readings. And he slowed the video down. And Heupel was complaining about how long it was taking them to set the ball. And Tennessee was going up there ready to snap the ball, and they're waiting for it to be set and ready, declared ready for play. It was almost like he was holding it when there were no substitutions happening, which obviously not supposed to do, and Hypo was livid. And that's what Saban wanted initially back in the day when Auburn and Gus Malzahn were going so fast. He kind of wanted, I think it was like 10 seconds after the ball was spotted before you could snap it or something absurd like that. Oh, boy. But uh, yeah, so they were they were they were doing some things to get Tennessee out of rhythm. I don't know if those referees were doing it on purpose. If they were, you know, they were Big Ten officials. They're not used to seeing offenses move that fast. Maybe so they didn't really know how to handle it. Maybe that was part of it. But it, it certainly frustrated Josh Heupel. Yeah, it's complete nonsense. I mean, they, they were Big Ten refs. Of course, they were Big Ten refs, and they, you know, they're used to watching Big Ten football. I guess I don't know. Uh, this comment here, the uh, Dwayne says the offense has to give the defense time to get set and substitute. That's not No, true. they don't. No, the defense, they don't. <laughs> yeah, the defense only gets time to substitute if the offense substitutes. Yeah. And and no, when the not. offense substitutes late in the play clock, you know, it's kind of at your own risk. They will hold the ball, and you could get a delay of game. It's, it's exactly why t- Tennessee— And they don't have to be set either. Yeah, I mean, t- Tennessee plays an extremely tight rotation of players on offense. They rotate a ton on defense. Yeah, they they defensively cover a hundred plays a game like they did in this bowl game, but then on offense they run an extremely tight rotation because they never substitute. That's why. So welcome to football, Dwayne. Uh, there's <laughs> the rules of football. Um, so that that's it on on offense. I mean, there, there was a lot of other fun stuff that happened. Squirrel White had a huge game. Hunt what 109 yards, uh, touchdown in that one, and and just that kid is just 
so beautifully built Got for some this personality offense. too. Oh yeah. Oh the what the waddle after the touchdown. Did man, you was... see the when Ramel Keaton caught his touchdown where he literally just strolled into the end zone? If you look at the sky cam view of that play, which it's a beautiful because you can see what Joe Milton saw uh, when he throws that pass to Keaton. As soon as Keaton catches it, Squirrel turns around and starts giving the defensive back that was covering him the business. It was it was hilarious. So good. Uh, yeah, I mean, there, there was a lot of fun stuff like that. But I, you know, I, I don't want to go too deep down the rabbit hole today, especially because we're time crunched about, like, how they might look in the future. Oh, we got also, a whole spring of that to, yes, to talk about. Yes, exactly. And, and we're going to talk about the transfer portal in just a second that also sort of involves maybe the wide receiver rotations and stuff like that. So defensively we've already talked about some of it but Tennessee in this game impressed me in a way that they haven't since I would say the Kentucky game I mean Vandy Mm -hmm. you blanked Vandy but Vandy is garbage well the Vandy's completely honest I mean they're they're not I mean they were almost bowl eligible they were it's not like they were terrible yeah I get it you can't brag about it's not like you shut down uh you know LSU, or actually, I almost kind of did one of these high-powered offenses. But yeah, I mean, it was a good performance, especially considering the situation the week before. Yeah, that that's true. They they played with a lot of pride after that South Carolina game. That was good. I 100 credit there. But I, in terms of just an overall really impressive performance, I go back to that Kentucky game where they held Kentucky to six points. Will first rounder Will Levis? Oh, 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 oh. you know they had interceptions on him, and it was great. This game was just as is completely comparable to that, if not better. Uh, obviously, Klubnik looked like a freshman, and there's some element there that has to be, you know, you have to talk about. But I think he probably doesn't look as much like a freshman if Tennessee is not in his face constantly on, yeah. like, every play. They were just killing I mean, him, and it Tom, started. He making good throws. He's yeah, he, he was. He, he is gifted. He's a gifted quarterback. But, you know, the game essentially started on that first drive with a brutal sack by Aaron Beasley. And Aaron Beasley was so good in this game. 12 tackles, two sacks. I mean, he just absolutely brought it. Best game of his career. Uh, and, and really gives you hope for next season as far as that goes. That's so good to see because, you know, you're, you're losing guys at the linebacker position. I know at one point we were texting with, with with me and you and Austin Stanley. It was like, is he playing too good right now that he might start <laughs> thinking about the NFL? And, and that's not the case, but it, I mean, he, he played that well. Yes, he he really just brought it more than I think we've seen him. He he had some impressive moments during the season, mm-hmm. but this was just a He's really the one guy on defense that showed up against South Carolina for sure. Yeah, um, and and so that that was really nice, and it started there. But then you also got nice performances from Byron Young and and some other dudes just on that defensive line. Uh, and Byron then, Young, that uh, sideline, that when he like shoved Klubnik down, the sideline, the sideline speed he showed there really impressed me. I mean, I think that's a guy that's really underrated as far as his NFL prospects. I I would agree. Uh, kind of an under the radar guy but he could absolutely find a spot on Sundays and uh you you really start when you talk about this defensive performance you start with the the line and the linebackers and the defensive backs you know they had pass interferences some of them were kind of I don't want to say game saving but strategic <laughs> where you don't allow a touchdown you you take the 15 yard penalty and not allow a touchdown some stuff like that and and overall I mean two interceptions on this kid and now granted one of those was club Nick 
running for his life and he threw up a total just oh jump pass it was fourth down Ugh. i mean tennessee would have had better field position yeah. dropping that pass really it, that's true that was the one where tennessee yeah. would have been a better position if he would have just batted the ball down but still. it was to marion mcdonald but it was McDonald, yeah <laughs> yes I did, it, hey i would grab that interception too i mean yeah 100 yeah. you got pat pad those hey, stats but it was good credit credit to Wesley Walker intercepting that one in the end zone and yes. he about took it out. And he's like, no, 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 no. I'm just going to take a knee right here. Yes. I mean, that that one was huge. Um, but just in general, the, the way they played, yeah, they gave up a lot of yards. But it was also the exact epitome of everything we talked about all season long with this defense. It's that way on purpose. Yeah. Like, they do this for a reason. They know at 100 plays a game, you're not going to stop somebody completely unless it's fandy uh but you're just not and so they bend and they don't break and then thankfully clemson's kicker who has i don't think that he had missed three kicks all season and he misses three in this game in that first half and uh, you know shout out to that guy for stinking it up but (laughs) that's you know sorry about it but you know they they held him to field goals, and that with this defense is a win. When you hold a team to a field goal, and then you you hope they miss it. It's what I mean. It's essentially what got you the win in the Alabama game. You hold them to a field goal at the end of the game. They kick it. They miss it. You go down. You score. I mean, it's a huge strategic win for Tennessee when they hold you to a field goal, and they took advantage of it in this game. And even still, I mean, Tennessee had a bunch of three and outs in this one, uh, and. You know, overcame all that. Even the game, I mean, the game got down to 21-14. The defense finally gave up like a full sort of comprehensive drive from Clemson. And then the offense, thankfully, just comes right back and answers. And I believe that was the, Keaton. the like, yeah, the 50-yard pass to Keaton. Um, it was beautiful. Uh, but, you know, it just was the exact epitome of this Josh Heupel system. <laughs> the defense faced 100 plays. Give up 14 points. I, You almost can't ask for more from this defense. So, so much credit to them in this game. They were just huge. Yeah, speaking of Keaton, I mean, what a what a story this year. I mean, he's such a quiet kid. He's been under the radar the whole time since he showed up. I mean, you kind of just knew him as Harrison's Bailey, Harrison Bailey's teammate in high school. It kind of came along for the ride, and he's really – showed up this year whenever Tillman went down. I mean, where would Tennessee be without him? He made so many key catches and and he showed against Clemson too now that we got that other view that it of that long catch that it's not just hypo scheming guys open. Obviously the scheme is what it is and it's uh, it's impressive and it it works almost all the time. But Keaton put a double move on that Clemson defensive back and I mean he totally crossed him up and he about fell and that's why Keaton was so wide open. It wasn't the scheme. It was just the move that Keaton put on him. So really can't wait to watch him next year. You know he's going to be one of those three wide receivers where Tennessee kind of goes with with a three three wide receiver rotation. They don't substitute a lot, so it's, it's pretty much just three guys. It'll be interesting to see uh, as we start talking about the portal here in a minute if they bring in one of those guys and how they rotate uh, those receivers then. I, I do think there will be some tweets with the offense. Uh, we've seen that from year to year already with Josh Heupel. We saw a little bit different with with Joe Milton. Some of those short passes to start the game, where it was almost like an extension of the running game. It'll be really interesting to see what they scheme up for next year. Uh, one possibility: they didn't throw to running backs much at all this season. Yeah, that's true. And when that pocket collapses, maybe that's something that they can kind of work in to help Milton there. If you got a check down, 
the guy that kind of pops out, maybe that's something that they that they work into the game plans and, and the scheme next year. Yeah, you got Cam Cam Seldon coming in, who's kind of a wide receiver, running back. Not really sure exactly where he's going to play. All purpose sort of guy could maybe be perfect in that spot. Uh, but yeah, back just back to the defense quickly. Nugs in the comments, he says Beasley was the real MVP. I, I if if he was given the MVP, I wouldn't have argued with it for one second. I like he really, in terms of just how he stepped up and how the pressure on Klubnik just totally changed this game. I don't think you can say enough about it. Honestly, yeah, I mean, Elias, he says it in the comments here. This is a great point. Great uh, psychological football if your opponent keeps having to drive 10 plays to score only to have it wiped in two plays. I mean, it almost got to a point with Clemson where they were just sort of hopeless when they got the ball. And you could you could tell mm-hmm. their, their confidence was shot. They were tired. I mean, 100 plays in a game like that's going to wear you down as much as it's going to wear down uh, the the defense. So it was huge. And and yeah, and Kelly says it here. Beasley set the tone for all of that. That's mm-hmm. oh yeah, and that early on, yeah, it's absolutely massive. So impactful in that game, and he really did. And also, shout out the Nugs. Hopefully, you watched the the post game with me and Crompton. I gave you a shout out because you you shouted out uh, the uh, Rattle and Snap whiskey on our YouTube page. Nugs he, Nugs bought the he bought Rattle and Snap and said it was good. So shout out to him and Rattle and Snap whiskey. Uh, but. Uh, Beasley, Anything? by the way, led the team in tackles this year. Since you know all the stats here are final, led the team in tackles with seventy six. Led the team in tackles for loss with thirteen. Byron Young had twelve. The next closest was shockingly Roman Harrison, who had seven, and he yeah. added three sacks. So really, really solid season for Aaron Beasley uh, this this year. Absolutely, and exciting going into next year. And before we move on to this discussion about next year with transfers and the things that might be happening there. Anything else with this Orange Bowl Do you want to hit on, Zach, uh, before we move on? I'm sure there's plenty. There, The, the one thing that kind of stuck out to me was after the game, Dabo talked about how field goals weren't going to beat Tennessee. And it was a question when he showed a little bit of nepotism and used his son on a fake field goal. Oh, yeah. that was He had done that before this season, too. I, I, think, I can't remember what game it was in, but I remember watching, and I think they picked it up uh, the previous time. That was very ill-advised. But then after that, you know, he makes that comment, and they still kept trying these field goals on Tennessee's side of the field. I mean, they what, they made two, and then they missed three, and then you got the the fakes. I mean, what, that six attempts, basically, and knowing that field goals weren't going to beat them. Uh, other teams that have had that same mindset, you saw them going for it on fourth down. Uh, LSU did it. Florida did it. We saw that a lot. Alabama did it some. I was really surprised that that Dabo didn't take that same approach as some other teams, uh, especially knowing knowing that field goals weren't going to get it done. I mean, even if they make those field goals, they they still lose the game. Uh, so I, that was that was a strange strategy from from Dabo, and just a his management of this game wasn't elite in any no. way. I didn't think. I mean, he could have helped his quarterback out at the end of the second half and got some points there. I didn't think he really – I mean, obviously, that that falls on Klubnik. Uh, and I think Davo, though, the way he immediately went over there to Klubnik, it was like he was putting the blame totally on him because you know how Davo is look-at-me-all-about-me type guy. I mean, I think he I think he could have taken some blame on that one too. If Davo has the ability to be introspective – not sure he does, honestly. <laughs> but if he does, uh, 
I think Clemson might be staring down the barrel of a very serious problem here in the next few years because they have not recruited at an elite level. It was clear last night. I mean, Tennessee is not there talent-wise with Clemson, and they got bullied. Mm-hmm. What, last night? Whenever it was, a few nights ago. <laughs> yeah, it was like, but, yeah, three nights ago, four um, nights ago. <laughs> but they Tennessee bullied them in, in the defensive trenches. And that's not, you can't win a national championship that way because if Tennessee's bullying you, Lord knows Alabama and Georgia will. So uh, I, I think they got to be really careful. And especially, I mean, Dabo needs to get with it on the NIL stuff. He's got to stop that whole nonsense and, and just embrace actual, you know, the way that football is changing because it, I think this was a little bit of the changing of the guard to, especially with the way that Tennessee competes with, Clemson uh, in recruiting. I hopefully, hopefully, this was meaningful not just as an eleventh win on Tennessee's incredible season, but in that Tennessee is kind of snatching that chain back from Clemson because uh, Dabo took it, and maybe Tennessee is finally going no more. We're going to be taking players out of your state, just like you took players out of our state, and this is this whole you know, rain from Clemson over the ACC, maybe coming to an end. If he, like I said, if he's not careful, it's, they didn't win it last year. They didn't yeah. win it this year, but then they got smacked around by Tennessee and South Carolina. So, you know, it's, uh, it's something to watch. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, we all know Nick Saban's nearing the end of his career. Who knows? I mean, it could be another five years. I don't, I don't know, but eventually he has to retire because he, I mean, he's already he's 70 now, right? I mean, he's, he's already getting up there in age. Things start going kind of sideways at Clemson where they're winning 10 games a year, but they're not getting to the playoff. That Alabama job comes open. For years, I did not think Dabo would go there, but I would not be surprised if if that happened at this point. I, I don't know why you would want to take over for Saban, but if if, if things aren't going well at Clemson, you got to have an exit strategy. Yeah, be I, his. I could absolutely see him. If, if things continue down this downward trajectory, I could see him looking for greener pastures, but... That's kind of a different podcast in itself. So to move forward in the future, obviously, since that game, it was a few days ago. There has been some transfer movement a little bit. Um, not not a ton to talk about here, but some updates in terms of uh, who uh, who will be visiting potentially to Tennessee as a uh, potential transfer who maybe won't be. Um, and then... Should we should we start with this Jalen Wright thing? Yeah, I think we got to. That's the big news of the day, or the big not really news, just the big topic of the afternoon. It seems like. Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of people saw it. Jalen Wright, star running back for Tennessee. I mean, I in my personal opinion, as of this moment, the best guy in that running back room. Led the team in uh, rushing yards this year. Yeah, well, there you go. Um, he, I gotta find the exact tweet here. He said, this is a business, nothing personal. That's all he tweeted. Take that as you will. Uh, it sounds like he could be saying, you know, nothing personal. I'm out of here. Or is it one of these situations where he's he's playing the negotiation game, saying, I'm going to transfer if you don't set me up with some NIL stuff. And I'll put it out publicly. You, you know, th- there there could be multiple dimensions to this, but how did it uh, hit you, Zach? I mean, it's 
it's hard to, I mean, I almost hate reading into these tweets from college kids because they could mean anything. Sometimes they're not even football related, but at the same time, like they're very aware of how things are taken. They know anything they say or do is going to be talked about by people like us. It's going to be all over uh, Twitter and written about and on message boards. So they, they have to know the power they wield with, with their Twitter accounts. I mean, we kind of saw something like this with Tyler Barron last year. He didn't really tweet anything out, but he put it, you know, he put himself in the portal and then came right back out of it. So you have to kind of think about, you know, is it, is it NIL related? Of course. Is it an, a, a play to try to get more money? There was a talk about Tennessee taking a transfer running back. Uh, Marshawn Lloyd at one point, who's not visiting anymore, as I understand it, uh, from South Carolina. If he would, if he would have been taken by Tennessee, you'd have, Four running backs that saw significant action this year. You've got some guys coming in. Cam Seldon, who you mentioned, who can, you know, kind of a hybrid guy, uh, Khalifa Keith from the the former Kentucky commit. So it would have been a pretty crowded room. Obviously, you think somebody's going to transfer out. I don't know if this is indicative of of maybe they've told him that somebody's coming in or he's just trying to get more NIL money or he beat somebody in FIFA and this is his way of talking <laughs> about it. I don't yeah. know. Like Elias says, he just dominated his team. Yeah, there you Fortnite. go. Yeah, <laughs> obviously that's that's like, all that uh, happened. No, Jonathan Conbo reference. There. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't. You don't want to lose him. I like Jalen Wright. I know. I, I think, do too. You know, God, he was supposed to be like the speed complement to Jabari Small, but he showed this year he's a physical runner. I mean, he ran through some tackles. He had some really nice runs, and uh, I, I really. He had some issues kind of with ball security early on in his career, but it seems like he, you know, he's gotten better in that area and he's become somebody that they kind of depend on and count on. I think Dylan Sampson's the most talented guy in that running room, uh, running back room. But I think Jalen Wright's like your more most dependable guy right now. Yeah. And I, Brent, Brent says this in the comments and, and I had actually, I texted this to Charlie. Charlie mentions uh, Hayden almost every day. Uh, Look, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I love Aaron Hayden and I want his son to play football at the University of Tennessee. I will not hide my bias. And Brent says only chance the RB Hayden from Ohio State enters the portal. His dad is UT legacy. Yeah, I mean, his dad Aaron and Dallin. I mean, they obviously Ohio State lost. Dallin was the backup all season. He's he's a freshman. I mean, that's usually the time when you're a backup. But come on down. Come to Knoxville, please. Don't don't let us whiff on all that. All of Aaron's kids, man. Please. <laughs> uh, now, if that happened, I would completely understand a, a transfer. Honestly, if not multiple, if you had that, kind of the same with Marshawn Lloyd. If they brought in Marshawn Lloyd, I would really expect it. Frankly, uh, somebody transfer out of that running back room because it's just somebody's getting pushed out. Somebody's not going to play. I I'm, wouldn't I just, expect it to be Jalen Wright, but it is what it is at a certain point. Yeah, I mean, if Hayden comes, I think that's one thing. But outside of him, like even with Lloyd, I'm comfortable with the guys they have in that running back room, especially with the guys Same. that they've signed. I don't think it's an area where they need to be focusing. I get that you're always trying to upgrade the roster, but you know we've heard coaches talk about this a lot. The portal can be a double-edged sword because you're bringing in guys that aren't familiar with your culture that are – they're not as moldable. You can't mold them as easy as an 18-year-old. You're bringing in maybe a 20, 21-year-old that's, that's been in another program for a couple of years. And, you know, bad or good, it's just a different culture a lot of times. And, and if you bring that in, maybe it messes up the chemistry in the running back room. I'm not saying that that is what will happen, but those are concerns that I think you have to think about. So 
I just think there's other areas that, that are that are much more important to to address right now. And there's only so many guys that you can talk to and recruit and evaluate. I mean, this is a really busy month for them. It's a really hard thing to go through all this and find who you want and get to know them and fill them out and realize if they're a good fit or not. I'd spend more time focusing on defensive backs, uh, defensive end. You kind of need another one of those, another tight end if Jacob Warren – doesn't come back and he said today that uh he'll probably decide next week if he's going to come back or not next season he's still thinking about the nfl he's got one year of eligibility left but yeah i mean i would i would probably pass on the running back unless it's hayden and and i don't foresee that happening much to charlie's dismay (laughs) sadly i don't either uh but you know somebody can dream um yeah, we'll just have to see if anything actually comes of this. Hopefully, it is just a Tyler Barron-ish type situation at worst, where he is just kind of being like, hey, look, I, this room's getting crowded. I think I'm the best dude here. Like, I need a little recognition. Something like that. And and I know a lot, a lot of people gripe about that. And to some extent, rightfully so. But this is the way of the college football world now. You sort of have to re-recruit your players year in and year out um even when you just had an 11 and 2 season uh and tampering's happening you know tampering is is definitely happening Jalen writes uh he's from Durham perhaps UNC or NC State one of those schools is going through some back channels trying to talk to him and and maybe see if he wants to come back home I mean they're not not reporting that that's what's happening but those things do happen and they happen Tennessee's doing the same thing with kids too so don't don't think that it's other teams' programs being malicious. It's all, it's all happening. Like, like Jalen said in that tweet, it's just business. Yeah. Um, but uh, as far as that situation goes, if he announces he's in the portal, we'll talk about it. If not, then it's a non-factor. Yeah. Uh, but beyond that, some uh, visits to Tennessee from transfer players. You mentioned there the, the word has sort of come out from the recruiting services that. Marshawn Lloyd probably isn't visiting Tennessee. I heard, is it USC is the favorite there? I want to say, although they, they just lost to Tulane, which, so maybe they need somebody. Uh, but um, did you see Caleb Williams skip out the post game press conference? Oh, I did. Yes. Like they moved his, his name plate thing. That's, yeah. <sighs> Not a good that, look. That bugs me, man. I, and that, that is stuff. It's not a That's, huge deal. But it's, it's Kyler Murray. That's what it reminds me of, like how he would handle things. Well, and to that point, I think it's something that would throw up a red flag for an NFL GM and yeah. go like, okay, he's a little immature still. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he doesn't want to go out and face media after he had a tough loss. Oh, boo-hoo. Um, you know, that's – they'll dock you for that. Of course, he can't He can't even leave this season. He's too young. So um, he maybe he can get it together with another year under his belt. Um, oh, <laughs> I, will, I, I appreciate it. Nug said he – Thanks for shouting me out. I clipped it and sent it to my wife. Like, look, honey, superstar Charlie Burris shouted me out live with Jonathan Crompton. That's right. Superstar Charlie Burris, baby. Mm. That's what they call me. Crompton That's... didn't even get the superstar status. <laughs> yeah, I know. The guy that played quarterback in Tennessee <laughs> under Lane Kiffin. No, it's me. I'm the superstar. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, out outside of that, Dante Thornton, wide receiver from Oregon, supposed to be visiting and then i think is it this uh defensive lineman from arizona state supposed to be visiting also lot lot right um supposed to be visiting also that would be a nice pickup um 
and then the the potential replacement for uh, for uh, Darnell Wright, also offensive tackle. Where'd you say he was? Miami. My, yeah, the kid from Miami. That's right, Campbell. Campbell, yeah. the kid from Miami, also supposed to visit here in the next week or so. So all of those would be great pickups. I think in particular, the one that sticks out to me is Thornton. Uh, I think he has the potential to be an immediate contributor. The other two are definitely positions of of need, but you look at like an offensive tackle, like it's it's a tall order to go replace arguably the best right tackle in the SEC this season. Like Darnell Wright played to that level. He is projected extremely high in NFL uh, draft boards mm-hmm. by some by some. Services. He's a first round pick, and some like pro football yeah. focus had him as a first round pick. I mean, he he really impressed. He he didn't miss a game this season, and you saw that like on the other end on at the left tackle position, just rotating injuries all season long. Never once anything out of him like that. I mean, he's he lived up to the five star. Yeah, billing. he's he's got to be he's an NFL dream in terms of just looking at the way that he operated in college. He he was just head down, do a job, get your work done, kind of dude. And so he's probably I, your biggest loss from this outside of Hendon Hooker, of course, who you know, was going either way. Uh, I think Darnell Wright is, is your bigger, is your biggest loss, even bigger than Jalen Hyatt, because I think we saw Squirrel White can step into that role. And that's not to diminish what Hyatt did this season, but I think White can pick up right where uh, Jalen Hyatt left off. But, but Darnell Wright, that that's a tough one to replace him. And, and, and Byron Young will be hard to replace too. Yes. Well, so on that note, you got a defensive lineman visiting offensive tackle visiting, you you need both, but will they be guys that will actually live up to that billing? Honestly, it's so hard to tell in the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of it with those visits is kind of like, do they fit culture-wise? That's a huge question in there, too, especially now with the way that Heupel has set things up. I think he is pretty particular with that, it feels mm-hmm. like. It's got a little bit of a Rick Barnes vibe there. If you can't if you can't take the Barnes coaching, don't, don't come here. You know, he kind of has that sort of policy. And I think Heupel... While he's not as not, he doesn't coach in the same way that Barnes does, where he'll like, you know, blame you pub- publicly all the yeah, time. Publicly humiliate guys in press conferences. <laughs> I think he does have a particular style and a particular culture that he wants to set it to yeah. see. And, and so he wants to see if these guys are real fit. So it's, I think it's them checking out these players as much as it's the players checking out. Tennessee, oh, for sure. So. Yeah. It's a two way uh, street without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, but I, honestly, if all three came, I think it'd be great. You need you need depth. You need players. At, at a minimum, you need the warm bodies <laughs> with the way that Tennessee Tennessee's roster is set up at the moment. And what I, do you, I think what do you go ahead? What do you far forget? What do you think about with Thornton? If they bring him in, he's a big play guy, right? I mean, he averaged mm-hmm. like twenty some yards a catch or something like that. But we saw this year where they played pretty much three wide receivers. If you look at the snap counts. You know, it's it's Hyatt, it's McCoy, and then you kind of kind of got split there with with Tillman and Keaton, and then you got Swirl that's like 400 snaps behind them that was kind of coming in at the end of games. How does that work? I mean, you you're thinking you're going in with McCoy, Keaton, and Squirrel, and you feel pretty good about those three wide receivers. Who sits? I mean, who 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 goes to the bench? I mean, Brew is plays a different game than Keaton. He's your short yardage kind of guy that's gonna get yards after contact and, and barrel his way for a first down. Keaton is uh, – he's not net, just a big play guy, but he he has the big play capability. 
kind of goes over the middle a little bit. And then Swirl obviously is your burner that you're not taking out of the lineup. I mean, I feel like he's locked into a starting spot next year. So how do you how would that play out? That's a good question. because uh, you've already heard the rumors of Walker Merrill is looking looking. Oh, yeah, we didn't even mention that. And I would I'd feel pretty I feel like 75, 70, 75 percent chance he moves on because he's yes. fixing to be a junior. Uh, there's no clear path to his playing time. He's going to have that extra COVID year of eligibility, I believe, since he's – yeah, since he – no, or was he a freshman last year? He won't have that extra year. Yeah, I'd have to – So he's pretty sure, much but... got like two years to to prove himself, and he's a talented guy. When he came in, he made plays. I mean, I think he scored mm-hmm. like almost half of his catches were cut touchdowns this year. He's uh, so I... he's caught in a little bit of purgatory. He's, he's just yeah. not – He's not quick enough. He's not physical enough. The guys but are just he is a little like bit right better there. than him. I mean, the he's what? good enough to be out. Th- he's good enough to be out there and start. But the other guys are just like a little bit better. Exactly. And so I, I think he could absolutely carve out a spot out in the team. So I, I would not be surprised at all if he jumps out. And then, yeah, I mean, out with four guys in that rotation, I. I think you could find some really interesting ways to use all that, especially when you add in Cam Selden too, potentially being a, a guy that you could throw the ball to. And, you know, with things like end arounds to squirrel, which I I would love to see, you know, just some things that they could fold in. Um, and also in terms of passing the ball, you have McAllen Castles coming in at tight end mm-hmm. and potentially another, if, if Jacob Warren doesn't say another new tight end um, from somewhere. And, there's there's a lot that they could do there. And we saw this season that Heupel is more than willing to adapt to the guys that he has and use them in a bunch of different ways. I mean, Princeton Fant is example oh, yeah. 1A there. They use them in a hundred different ways this season. And so I'm I it it is interesting. Like if if they bring in Thornton, I think Merrill is 100 percent gone. I who where when is he ever gonna play if that's the case? And then yeah, you Beyond, got Nathan Leacock coming in too, who's yeah. extremely talented as a as a yes. true freshman. And I think he has potential to get into that lineup, mm-hmm. even even outside, kind of in a, in a squirrel type way. Of course, and you got to think too. Tennessee, you saw Cedric Tillman go down this year, and that that completely changed their wide receiver rotation. And I think you kind of have to plan for that every single year. You can't assume that you're going to stay healthy at any position. You have to have depth. It's yep. just. With the portal, it's so hard to build that depth. And I just wonder, you know, what kind of conversations they have with guys. Because I would, I mean, if you're Ramel Keaton, I don't think he's going anywhere. Brew's already transferred, but almost like twice or try to transfer a couple of times. I don't think he's going anywhere. You don't want Squirrel to go anywhere. So you, you, you don't want to lose any of those guys, but you also need to bring in more talent for sure. It's a tough balancing act. It is. Uh, that's just the nature with everything. Transfer portal. Um, I, like I said, I'm going to the Tennessee basketball game here in just a bit. So got to wrap it up here. Um, but anything else with uh, the transfer portal, Zach, before we bounce? No, just real quick. I wanted to bring up the the rumor that's flying around on uh, Alabama's. Not on their, I guess it is on their message board, oh, but it's yeah. like their, their reporter. So there's rumors that Jeremy Pruitt could be coming back to Alabama to replace Charles Kelly, the safeties Ooh. coach that just left to become the the defensive coordinator at Colorado. Not not sure how much stock we should put into those rumors since nothing from the NCAA has been decided, but 
if there's some legitimacy to that rumor, does it indicate that maybe Nick Saban is pushing for uh, for Tennessee to not have these harsh penalties so Pruitt <laughs> won't get a show call so he can come back to Tuscaloosa? You know he'd love to have him back for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, Pruitt at the moment, at the moment, doesn't have a show cost. He doesn't have anything. He's He's been laying low and, and just – essentially what he went to the jets and then right now i think he's giants and giants the giant yeah sorry the giants and then now he just does interviews on mike griffith's mm-hmm. podcast or whatever um I, I mean lord knows pruitt wants to be back at alabama and i think saban maybe has like a with the way that p golding's defense played this season i could see saban being more than okay with going back to the way things were with jeremy pruitt um God, that would be funny, wouldn't it? There's Just also uh, rumors about, uh, you know, Bill O'Brien's going back to the NFL. We pretty much know that. Probably. We don't know where, but he's wanted to go back to the NFL. So who's offensive coordinator? Who's the next offensive coordinator at Alabama? Uh, I think Saban's going to make a bold hire. It, I don't know if he tries to go get Jeff Levy. That's a rumor that's out there. But that would indicate a total philosophical change going towards kind of what Josh Heupel's doing. Or maybe if Cliff Kingsbury gets fired from Arizona, Oof. that I mean, I could, I mean, that feels like something that would happen, right? Kingsbury coming, going and serving as Nick Saban's offensive coordinator. If you remember, he was going to be the offensive coordinator at USC after he got fired from Texas uh, Tech, and then was going to end up going to the NFL. So he didn't take that job, but I think they'd already announced it. So that's should be some interesting things going on at Alabama and Nick Saban. He adapts. He evolves. We've seen it when, when he hired Lane Kiffin and moved towards a style of offense that he didn't necessarily love. Does he go drastic and, and try to copy Hypo or kind of go a little air raid? That would that would be wild, but it, it wouldn't surprise me. This, it would just be another move like Saban has done in the past. Like, a, mm-hmm. if you can't beat him, you got to join him. Yeah. And he, I mean, he lost to Tennessee this year, and that's got to be in some pretty big sense a wake-up call. Not that Saban needs some sort of you know, he has every national championship that he has, but uh, no Bryce Young next year. So he's got to do yeah. something. There's a real case to be made that they're not the top team in SEC West next season. If, unless he gets a uh, who Drake may, which apparently that's not happening. May he tweeted that he's staying. In I mean, North who's Carolina out there now? Who's out there for Alabama to go get an Alabama I mean, fan would tell you it's Caleb Williams <laughs> or something like that. The, why don't we just go get that kid? I mean, Sam Hartman's really the big, the big name out there still. I mean, he hasn't officially went anywhere. True. Technically, and Grayson McCall went back in the portal at Coastal, or went back to Coastal, came out of the portal, which that seems like Coastal somehow came up with some NIL money, <laughs> apparently. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know where they go. Yeah, I, I'm not sure, but I, I can tell you this: Jalen Milrow ain't winning the West next season. Person to watch out maybe is Garrett Nussmeyer at LSU. I felt like they played him in that mm. game yesterday just to kind of keep him out of the portal. He turns the ball over a lot, but he's got talent. And LSU also has a five-star uh, that that was a true freshman this year, Walter Howard. I'd keep an eye there, too. I was just looking today. Alabama in this recruiting class for 2023, if I'm remembering correctly, I mean, this was earlier today, they have seven five-stars coming in in this class. Yeah, they're only three stars, like a kicker, I think. One, Yeah, one three-star, and then, like, tw- I think 24 stars. Like, oh, God. Kill me. Yeah. Uh, but outside of that annoying thing, uh, with how good their recruiting class is, it would be hilarious to have, uh, 
to have Pruitt back in the SEC. <laughs> um, and until he gets slapped by the NCAA, I guess technically they can't do that. So we'll we'll see. Uh, no, but I guess there's also be commotion at the uh, the game tonight. Uh, so I'm going with a friend who is a Mississippi State fan. Oh boy. Um, I'll say this about this game. I don't expect to have any, uh, you know, to be causing any trouble like I do sometimes at the games against Kentucky. But this game, I believe Tennessee is the number one defense in America, at least defensive efficiency, according to Kim Palm. Mm-hmm. I think Mississippi State's like number six. So the final score is going to be like 40 to 39? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So get ready for that. That'll <laughs> <laughs> be exciting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I will say this, if there's any movement with the transfer portal or anything, we've been doing these midweek segments that have been really fun. We'll, we'll probably hop back on here and do something a little later in the week. So watch out for that on the A to Z sports, YouTube channel, A to Z sports, Nashville, YouTube channel. There's also now there's A to Z sports, Philly and A to Z sports, Dallas and, uh, all over the place, but, um, go and subscribe there and then you won't miss our, our midweek segments either hit the notification bell too. Um, oh, tomorrow night, we're going to be on with Boogie Bentley on Talking Vols. You and I, Zach, we're going to go on the charity live stream. It's a, a, a veterans charity that he's supporting. I don't I don't have the name of it right in front of me. Um, and this was just kind of off the cuff. Let me make sure that I get it right, though. I don't want to. Uh, uh, uh. Fisher House uh, is what it's supporting. Um, and, and it helps uh, veterans. And so. Watch the Talking Vols live stream tomorrow night. We're going to be on there with a bunch of other people. And uh, Boogie Bentley does an amazing job talking talking Vols. <laughs> um, that's it. I'm Charlie Burris. That is Zach Reagan. If you're at the basketball game tonight, say what's up. <laughs> I'll be there. Look for me at the concourse. Um, otherwise, thank you so, so, so much for watching. A bunch of people tuned in today. It's a big crowd. We love it. We appreciate and, uh, you all. Thanks for commenting, for hanging out, and we will talk to y'all maybe a little later this week. See you guys later.